I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and you're listening to the She Who Overcomes podcast, the weekly show that helps you spark hope and creativity for your life and business. In case we've never met before, I'm the chief creative officer and a leadership coach at a company called Rayma Team. I love coffee dates and books, stiletto shoes, running, kayaking, and I just happen to be living with a disease called cystic fibrosis. I'm sharing my story as well as the stories of people from around the world to help you rise up with hope-filled action. Grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey, Overcomers. Welcome to another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. Today, I'm going to give you a peek inside my life with cystic fibrosis and specifically what it has been like this year being on this new groundbreaking medication that came out called Trikafta. So even if you aren't somebody that has CF in your life or... um it's, it's not something that you personally deal with or you know somebody who has it. I encourage you to listen to this episode anyway, because I'm going to get really real about what it's like to go through the ups and downs, the highs and lows of being on a medication that is potentially life-saving for so many people, um, life-changing for a lot of us, but also comes with its own challenges, you know, like... Um, I think what I'm learning on this whole journey of living with cystic fibrosis for 38 and a half years now, that there's hope. There's so much hope because there's there's always new groundbreaking therapies that that researchers are working on to help extend the quality and the length of life for cystic fibrosis patients. But there's also a lot of challenges that come with that hope. And, you know, for instance, it's expensive to to be on this medication. So I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, it comes with its own side effects and not everybody can handle it. I'll talk about that a little bit. And um, I just really want to give you an inside look. And I haven't done that on this podcast yet. I was looking back at all of the episodes I've done since, you know, January or February of 2020, since the clock striked 2020. And I realized I haven't I haven't done an episode on this at all. I've maybe maybe said something about it within an episode on a different topic, but I haven't actually dedicated some time to telling you what it's been like. So I want to do that today. I have my coffee and my water, and I'm just going to be sipping on that stuff as I chat with you. So I encourage you to do the same um, wherever you're at as we're listening to this. It's just, I don't even have like, really thought out notes right now. This is really the most, one of the most random podcast episodes I'm going to do, but I want it to be heartfelt. I have my notes in front of me, but what I actually have in front of me are like um, days and days and days of journal entries in my phone, in my notes app um, on what this process has been like. So I'll be referring to that, but let's go ahead and take a deep breath and enjoy a sip of coffee and then I'll dive in. So to give you a little bit of an understanding, maybe you're like, um, I don't, you know, this is your first time listening and you don't know who this Mandy B. Anderson chick is. I want to let you know that um, cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease that affects your respiratory and digestive system. 
And eventually it limits your ability to breathe over time. And what that really means is that CF patients have to take breathing treatments two to four times a day, sometimes even up to nine times a day, just to be able to breathe normally like you probably can. And that really takes a toll on us. It, it takes a toll on us financially, emotionally, mentally, uh, physically. And until recently, the only hope that we really had was that we could stick to those breathing treatments long enough to delay the inevitable. A lung infection that would be so severe, it would require a lung transplant or it would lead to an early death. That's really what cystic fibrosis is. I was born in 1981, and that year, the the life expectancy, and in that decade, the life expectancy had been in the teens. So I remember sitting, I I remember growing up always being very healthy with CF. Um, You can go back to different episodes and hear a little bit about my journey with that. But in a nutshell, I've always been extremely healthy. I was on the... um, you know, the the really high end of lung functions and being healthy as a teenager even. I went 11 years without being in the hospital for an infection and that was kind of a big deal. So I remember being at my high school graduation, um, being in church actually the day of our my high school graduation and my parents stood up and they thanked the, the church community in this tiny little town. Um, they thanked them for all of their support through the years and basically told my whole life story and got emotional in front of a group of people. And you guys, if you, if you remember being a teenager or you have a teenager currently, you know, like I was probably super embarrassed in my seat. Like all I cared about that day was getting to graduation and moving on with my life and, you know, being an adult and getting out of that town and going to the big city, which in my life at that point was Fargo, North Dakota. So I was really, I was super embarrassed as my dad stood up there and gave this heartfelt story of thanks and all the things because, um, you know, like I just, I just was just embarrassed. And when it really comes down to it, I didn't understand the miracle of what they were experiencing because there were a lot of times where the the statistics were not in our favor. The odds were not in our favor for all you Hunger Games fans. So um, I've always been very, very healthy and um, I've never paid attention, l- legit, have not paid attention to the research, to what's happening in the CF community. Um, as life got... As I got older with CF, I kind of went through this thing where I started, I've had a few close friends with CF that have passed away and that gets really hard. And it kind of became this thing that it's almost easier not to make friends with CF because it's too hard. And I see, I see the flaw in that thinking now because I've, I've legit missed out on meeting some really cool people. And, and I've spent the last two years online learning from other people who have CF that live in other parts of the world and what it's like from their point of view. And I've found the inspirational people and I've been so inspired myself by the, the, the way that the CF community is such a shining light to everybody around them. 
And it was interesting because I had the opportunity last November to speak at a fundraiser for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And the day that I spoke was like that week, they had come out with the news that this new medication called Trikafta was on the market. And I have been paying attention somewhat, not much, but a little bit to the fact that hey, these medications exist. They're good. People are experiencing new things. But what I've actually been paying attention to is how expensive they are. $300,000 a year to be on a medication like that. Like that is absurd to me and overwhelming to me. And I just had it in my brain that even when one of these modification medications come out that fit my genotype, I don't even know if I would take it because like, it's so expensive. I don't know if I want to deal with that. Like, there were just a lot of things that went through my mind. Well, that night in November, I was talking to the one of basically the whole CF Foundation team from Minnesota and North Dakota and South Dakota. Um, A shout out to you guys. You guys are amazing. And I have so enjoyed building our relationship and getting to know each of you individually over the last almost a year now. (laughs) But um, I was intrigued by this medication because they started telling me, I think it was Joe, um, was telling me that there are CF patients like the inflammatory marks are going down and they're having less inflammation in their lungs and in their body. And that piqued my interest because at 38 and a half years old, well, at that time I was 37, I hadn't even turned 38 yet. Um, I was realizing that this disease hurts. Like it's physically painful (laughs) when you grow up and it's not necessarily just aging as a human being. Um, I didn't know that before Trikafta. I thought it was partly just aging as a human being because that's just what it is. But no, actually cystic fibrosis can be painful. Like it can cause extra inflammation in your body because your body can't breathe. And even when your lung functions are good and they're in like the 70 to 80 percentile, your body still has pain. And if you're working out, it's it's even worse because now you have, you know, working out pain on top of just regular pain in your body. And I I've been realizing that because at the time I had just finished my half my half marathon so i had been running and training for a half marathon for a year and i was i was feeling it i was tired and feeling it and um just experiencing more pain in my body so i had a shift in my mindset and i thought maybe i would try this maybe maybe i could try this medication so i did um I did. I tried it. And on February 2nd, 2020, I took my first Trikafta pill, the first two pills. So I've been keeping notes and I want to read that to you because I don't want to just be rambling on this on this episode. I do have notes that I want to read to you about what it's been like because it's been an, a very interesting, fascinating journey that's also a roller coaster. So... um. My first day on Trikafta, day one, February 2nd, 2020, I wrote this. I took the orange pills at 9.30 a.m. By 2 p.m., I felt like my cough was different. I don't cough much anyway 
or when I do, it's at certain points of the day. Or maybe I didn't realize how much I was coughing anymore because I actually was coughing more. But what I noticed is that I had thicker mucus and it tasted like it had been there for a while. Sorry, guys, this is disgusting. But this, I'm just, I'm just going to be real with you about what this is like in my body. Um, it was, I coughed up something that was like a thick yellow glob. And it was kind of like if you've ever had a sinus surgery or... Um, Actually, if you ever had a sinus surgery and you have like those globs of, of mucus that are stuck in your throat afterwards, that's what I was coughing up. By 3.22 p.m., my head started feeling weird and it wasn't really like a headache, but it was more like a tension in my neck and in the back of my head. And my sinuses felt a little weird, almost like they kind of felt like a sinus surgery, like that throbbing pain after a sinus surgery. That's all I could really compare it to. And by 4.50 p.m., I coughed up a dark yellow glob and the headache I felt was like a sinus headache. It was more pressure than anything else. At 3 a.m., I woke up coughing a ton. It was thick but loose. It started like a dry coughing attack that had me sitting up coughing for a minute or so. I have those from time to time. But then it loosened up and was a productive cough. And my sinuses also felt like they were about to break out into a head cold, but different. It wasn't like I felt sick, but it was just like this pressure. So that was day one for me. Um, Day two, excuse me. Guys, I'm actually recording this episode before I've even taken a treatment. Like, that's my life now on Trikafta. I can get up and do stuff without having to first take a treatment because I feel like I'm going to die if I, or I feel like I'm not going to be able to breathe. Um, so I need, to, I need to do a treatment here in a moment. But day two, um, I wrote this. I was super tired today. I woke up coughing at 12.30 a.m. and again at 3 a.m. It was a short coughing attack each time, and they were both very productive coughs. But I didn't need a middle-of-the-night treatment. I just couldn't fall back asleep again after the 3 a.m. one. Today, I've coughed a lot, and it has been thick and productive. It's been a dark yellow, which is not my normal. Usually, my normal is like a light khaki, almost milky clear color. My sinuses feel like they're draining a lot too. In fact, it feels very similar to the drainage that happens after a sinus surgery. This is quite significant for me because I rarely actually cough stuff up and out. Usually I cough it loose, but I can never get it out. And it's usually not that much unless I'm in the hospital for a tune-up. But I've been coughing out gobs of what they call mucus plugs. I know this is so gross, guys, but this is cystic fibrosis in real life. At 10 Oh, 4 p.m. I coughed so hard tonight. I almost threw up. And then a little bit ago, I felt like an invisible giant was crushing my lungs and my ribs in a giant wraparound hug. And now my upper back is super sore. Nate thinks I probably just coughed so hard that my ribs went out in new places. I have two heat packs on my back and it feels much better. This is a different kind of back pain than I've experienced before, mostly because it came on so suddenly. So that was day two. By day five... I was feeling pretty good, actually, and I could start singing, actually. <laughs> um, here's what I wrote on day five, February 6th, 2020. These new discoveries are actually quite subtle, and I don't notice them unless I look for them. For example, last night, we ate at one of our favorite burger joints, JL Beers. 
I had root beer, the BLT blue burger, and the sea salt chips. That always bloats me to a nearly alien stomach. Like it, it's, I look pregnant, but it's hard. It feels like there's some sort of alien in my stomach. It's very uncomfortable and horrible. Um, but I had no bloating last night. None. I had some gas a few hours later, but no, um, no bloating or feeling like I might throw up because I overate and I'm so bloated. That happens every now and then, guys. Not very often, but it has been known to happen and it's not fun. Um, but it didn't happen that night. By 1030 that morning, I could sing again, as in hold long notes and it's easy and not cough afterwards. I'm a little rusty, but it feels amazing and emotional, and I'm so thankful. By 4.29 p.m., I wrote that I'm tired now. It's been an emotional day, but also I really only got six hours of sleep last night because I didn't fall asleep until around 10.30 a.m., and I woke up to my alarm at six. So yeah, I'm a little bit tired. You guys, that was my first five days on Trikafta. By February 7th, so day six, here's what my husband said he noticed. He noticed that my voice is clearer when I talk. He noticed that I have more energy. He noticed that I talk way more at night than I had in years. And I'm guessing it's probably because even though I was tired, I didn't have body aches and pains and my lungs weren't tired. That's the reality that my life had been. And it was really hard for me to realize this because I am so positive. I am somebody that um, looks on the bright side and I try to make the most of every experience that I have. But I, I didn't realize, first of all, how much I was coughing. I didn't realize how much pain I had been in before Trikafta. I didn't realize that CF was stealing my voice. It was stealing my energy. Like I wouldn't talk to my husband when he came home at night because I would be so tired that it was just too much effort to really talk a ton. So I would mostly listen, but he would think I'm mad at him because I was also kind of in pain, but didn't really know what kind of pain. So I just didn't, I was just tired. And now on Trikafta, I talk a ton. (laughs) I have so much energy. Um, So my first 110 days on Trikafta were amazing. Eventually, it got to the point where I had so much energy during quarantine that we went on long, like six, seven mile hikes. I wouldn't be tired the next day or in pain that night. Like I would go on, I think one time I biked between, between biking and hiking in 10 days, I did 54 miles. That's the most miles I've ever done in 10 days ever in my life. I was so, so full of energy and clear thinking. Like for the first time in in years, I would wake up with energy before my alarm clock would go off. Like I would wake up at 4.30 a.m., not be able to go back to sleep and just be ready for the day. And I would have energy until we would go to bed again at nine or 10. I, I, would, I was feeling amazing. It was like this amazing, awesome thing. And the only setback I was experiencing, two, actually two setbacks. I had some diarrhea. That is a thing with Trikafta. And my liver enzymes were elevating. So 
I had been getting my blood work tested every two weeks since March 4th because my liver enzymes were a little bit high. So my doctors wanted to stay on top of it. And by day 110 of being on Trikafta, my liver enzymes had elevated to a total bilirubin of 2.8. It went from like 1.7 to 2.8 in two weeks. So we took a break. And that, like I could, I'm actually, I could just cry about it right now because that was a letdown, a big letdown. And I want to read you what I wrote. Day 110. This was May 21st, 2020. This day is equal parts hope and letdown. I, I posted this on social media and I said, don't let the smile in my photo fool you. That was a pre-doctor appointment picture. And now I've just got feelings that are too much to photograph. Today was CF checkup day number two since being on Trikafta. The good news is that my lung functions are at 81%. 81%. I haven't seen that number for a decade. Right before I flushed my medication down the toilet back in 2010, my lung functions had started dropping to 85%, I think. I don't remember exactly. I just know it was a number I had never seen before, having always been in the 90s at 96 to 100%. But today... A decade later, I saw a number in the 80s again and was able to mark off the goal of having lung functions at 80%. I've written that goal often in the past few years. Trikafta has been such a gift, but I'm going to be honest. Here's the bad news. I kind of feel like hope has been dangled in front of me and taken away again today because my total bilirubin just jumped to 2.8 in the last two weeks, which means... I have to stop taking Trikafta for two weeks at least, see a liver specialist, and get my blood work checked again in two weeks to see where it's at and maybe start out again with a lower dose. Grand scheme of things for me, this isn't a huge problem when it comes to life, except that it feels like it is because now I know what I didn't know before. CF had started to steal a lot from me. I'm resilient, I'm a survivor. I always find a way to rise up and make the best of what life throws at me. But if it turns out that my body can't handle Trikafta, then I'm afraid of what I will lose again. Like not being able to sing again when that was a dream of mine to be a singer one day. Like going back to waking up with a short, dry coughing attack again because my body needs a treatment or three to four treatments a day again instead of two or not sleeping well and being lethargic in the morning instead of waking up happy and full of energy. Being able to bike, hike, and run a total of 25 miles in a week without having to clear two to three days to recover. Or just being able to talk to my husband at night without feeling tired and crabby. Little things. Little things that have made a huge impact on my quality of life in the last 110 days. These are the ramblings of someone that is let down, so welcome to my pity party. And I'm not sharing them with you to get pity from you. I'm sharing it because people need to know the realities of the physical and financial toll of this disease, but also the mental and emotional toll this takes too. I've been wrestling with all the sides of hope for the last few years. And this day is a hope deferred kind of day because it just is. It has to be for a moment so I can grieve, feel my feelings and rise up again tomorrow from there. 
My doctor said not to lose hope yet because there are still options. But any bad news to a CFer warrants a good cry and a moment to ponder things because we feel this so heavily. This is our reality. Constantly assessing and weighing the numbers, the side effects, the reports, the little ways our reality must change to accommodate the insidious beast growing inside of us. I didn't lose the war today, but it sure does feel like a battle has been lost, at least for the moment. So that was day 110. Um, I guess I'm looking through my notes right now, trying to tell you what's been happening since I went off Trikafta. So two days later, day two of no Trikafta, I wrote this. My body hurts from painting our house and it's only noon. Also, my stomach feels full and upset, but I'm hungry. Starting to be gassy again. Breathing is still going well, though. By 10 p.m. that night, I wrote, I'm so tired from painted painting. Exhausted is more accurate. And I even took a one-hour nap on the floor while Nate kept painting. I'm so tired I couldn't even talk or open or keep my eyes open by 9.30. And I fell asleep on the couch and stumbled to bed an hour later. I think it took five days before the... Uh, the, the little coughing, actually three days with no trikafta. Um, I was reading an article at 9 a.m. that morning, and it was an article about hilarious text message mishaps, and I started laughing super hard at one. And the weird little CF cough that I get, it decided to join the party, and it stole the fun with this like laugh, cough, cough, breathe, laugh, cough type of thing. It's like you laugh, you cough, you laugh some more, you try to catch your breath, but you can't because you're laughing and you're coughing. And it's just this weird little thing. And so I had to do a treatment right away. And that was day three with no trikafta. Um, by day 25 of no trikafta, I was experiencing a lot of coughing, a lot of being tired. Um, it was a very emotional, eye-opening experience to be off of Trikafta because I realized, I realized how CF really was. That even though I'm positive and I find, you know, the the good, CF was stealing my energy and my time, and it was stealing my my happiness sometimes because I was in pain, and that's what it was doing. So that was day 25, 25 days of not being on Trikafta. And then I was able to get back on it and slowly wean back on it. And as of today, I'm not on the full dose yet. I've been on Trikafta now for about 60 days again. I started out two weeks on just the evening pill. Um, then another two weeks of just on the evening pill. And now I've been on the one morning pill and one evening pill for about 30 days and I think next week um, I get to find out if I get to add the full morning pill or what's happening um, and go from there. And I, I'm just telling myself that, you know, don't be surprised if you have to take a break again and, you know, try it out again. Don't be surprised if you have to try some medication for your liver enzymes to be able to handle it. 
But I also have to have pep talks with myself about the fact that even if my body can't handle this, like I'm emotional right now, I could cry about it, that yes, it will be a setback. It will be a huge letdown and a bummer. <laughs> um, several years ago, I wrote something called The Art of the Pause, and it's my way of handling stress management and handling rest and relaxation. And I have to keep that up because I think with being on Trikafta those first 110 days, I didn't rest as much because I had so much energy I didn't need to. And what I learned being off of Trikafta is I still have to be diligent with taking care of myself in that way, with scheduling rest time, with not over-scheduling myself because there's never a guarantee that this medication is going to work for me. There's never a guarantee that there isn't going to be some other setback that's going to take take me down for a little bit in time. And I need to make sure that I'm diligent with my rest routine. I need to be sure that I'm diligent with my eating habits, my exercise habits, because those are things I'm in control of no matter what what happens in my life. Those are things I can still be in charge of. So that's what I'm learning on Trikafta. It's maybe maybe those first 110 days I put too much hope in a medication. Maybe I put too much emphasis on the the amazingness of it. Maybe what I was a little naive not knowing that the setback could be so devastating. In a lot of ways, I think the stress on my body of being on Trikafta and then being off of it and then getting back on it, it feels very similar to the the stress on your body of being on an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication and having that like four to six week regulation time. Going off of Trikafta felt like that. It felt like my body didn't know what to do. It felt like it was exhausted. It felt like doing things that used to be normal for me were now so challenging that I just was exhausted and needed extra time to rest. It was crazy. That's where I'm at so far. I still have hope. I really do. But I've had to look at things realistically and realize what I can be in charge of, what I will do if it doesn't work out the way I wanted to, you know, how I wish it would have gone has definitely played into this um, situation as well. And I'm still on the journey. So far, those are the highs and lows. It's been awesome. And it's been a letdown at the same time at moments. But I'm still here and it's working. So I will keep you posted on this journey. I will keep you posted on what it's like. But I hope that this has given you some encouragement if you're in the same situation I am. I hope it's given you encouragement if you are finding your own path on on a new health journey that is unrelated to CF, but it's still been a roller coaster ride of highs and lows. And if you really need help processing through the inner conflict of those highs and lows, I really want to encourage you to go get my ebook right now, How I Wish It Would Have Gone. It's, it's more like a guided journal with a personal story and some bonus coaching videos. And it's $9.97, $9.97. 
at raymateam.com. That's R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M.com. If you need help with processing that, um, no matter if you're an entrepreneur or not, this tool will help you. And I want to be able to help you with that because we have to be willing to feel our pain and face our pain. That's just the reality of, of life, right? And the more that we process things, the healthier we become. It really is true. Even if in the meantime, it feels a little unhealthy and unro- like unstable and rocky. But when we give ourselves that permission to deal with our inner conflict, we give ourselves permission to, to heal on an emotional and a mental way that or level that we haven't before. All right, guys, that's today's episode. Next week, I'm going to be interviewing my best friend and business partner, and it's going to be my first interview on the subject of hope and creativity. So I can't wait to share that with you. Um, Until next time, remember that hope is a long game, and may you never be afraid to wrestle with it. Talk to you later. Bye. guys, thanks again for listening. I'd love to hear the takeaways that you got on today's episode. So let's hang out on social media. My favorite place to be is on Instagram. And you can find me at She Who Overcomes Podcast. And I'd be so grateful if you left a review before you go as well. You just might hear your name and your takeaway at the beginning of an upcoming episode. Oh, yeah. And if you're ready to work through your own inner conflict and spark hope again, my new ebook and coaching video called How I Wish It Would Have Gone is available for only $9.97 at raymateam.com. You can get it today. That's R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M dot C-O-M, raymateam.com. All right, my coffee is cold, so I gotta go. See you next week.